Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, July the 25th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And it's it's an interesting week because we're in a transition week. Uh, we are getting ready to bring on two new co-hosts. We're expanding the roster. Uh, Wendy is stepping back just a little bit to do fewer shows. And you know, so I'm, I'm in the process of, of switching things around. And Cindy is doing an extra show now. And all this transition happening. It's an exciting time. And it, it, it creates a little extra work. But uh, I have to say, Wendy, I'm really looking forward to the change. And, and we were just talking before the podcast how you're already enjoying some of the change. Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm enjoying being a listener, and um, I don't. I don't wish that. Oh, I wish I was a presenter while I'm listening. It's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Something I totally enjoy being on both ends of the stick. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's an interesting time. It, the transition is actually going on in a number of different areas of my life right now. The podcast is certainly one of them. There's a transition that's going on right now with Louise's gardening business. And there are a few others that are happening all around the same time. I, I guess it's another example of law of attraction. All these things happening at the same time that have the same commonality, oh, yeah. transition, right? Yeah, and I officially gave my resignation yesterday. Yeah. Oh, you did? It's already official now. Okay. It's absolutely official, and it was announced to our management team this morning. It hasn't been announced to my full team, hmm. but it's like it, it's rolling out. Right. And... um Gosh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but someone asked me, well, how does it feel now that you've resigned? And I said, kind of normal. <laughs> That's your standard answer it for these things. Feel, <laughs> I, it doesn't feel any different. I guess I had an expectation that it would be like, oh, relief or something. But it just, you know, what was interesting is I was, you know, following my guidance in terms of, you know, giving advanced advanced. Um, knowledge of this to certain people I worked with that where I felt appropriate. And so by the time I actually gave the official resignation to my boss, I think I'd already told at least six or seven people. Mm -hmm. And so that morning, Tuesday morning, when I woke up, knowing I was going to give my resignation, I really expected butterflies in my stomach and like, oh, I'm so nervous. And it wasn't there. <laughs> I had a, a, a new person who had just come on board with our team. And so I was doing my normal onboarding of him and giving him training and showing him the ropes. And every now and then I'd look at the clock and I go, wow, I'm going to do my resignation in an hour. And then it's like in 45 minutes, huh? In 30 minutes. And I'm still doing the training. And I'm like, okay. So when I got <laughs> off the phone with the training, I went, huh, I got 30 minutes to kill until it's time to give my resignation. <laughs> and again, I'm looking for the butterflies, <laughs> nothing. So it's time to get on the call with my boss. And um, so it was kind of like, you know, hey, how are you kind of thing. He's got a big personality. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. And I said, um, so I have three things for our agenda today. And he went, okay, great. And I said, the first one is I'm resigning. And he was like, wow. Okay, uh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> kind of makes me wonder so what the second impressed. three are. So the, the second and the third well, one are. <laughs> well, the second one was, I think I have a great backfill for me. And the third one was, I wanted to talk about how all this could fit together because I'd like to be a part of helping set my team up for success, even though I'm leaving. So, um, but, you know, I have to say every single person that I've talked to, 
um, and has have told about my leaving has been so supportive. Oh, that's great. Um, I feel like just an incredible swelling of support and believing in me. And it's like nobody threw any of the questions like, well, are you sure this is a good time? Are you going to be able to financially handle it? I was like shocked. No one has asked that of me. <laughs> that's nice, though. Not one person. And um, which, you know, that used to be my greatest fear was I had to be prepared for that. But I've been so focusing on this is the right thing for me. I am resolved. This is what I'm doing. Um, that the anticlimaticness of it is just kind of weird. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's part for the chorus because, like, over the last few weeks, whenever we've been talking about something that was particularly big, like, like uh, I remember a few weeks ago we talked about what it's like for you and what it has been like for you as you've been developing your communication with your inner being and, and how that communication has improved over time. And I, I remember asking you, so what's that like? And you said, normal. And then I would ask you, you know, every time that I asked you, like, well, how's this wonderful thing feel? It's always the same answer. It's normal. So I, I to, <laughs> to hear you say it's normal sounds, <laughs> well, it sounds normal. <laughs> well, and, you know, who, I, I was starting to say this before, but I couldn't remember who said it to me when they said, well, how do you feel now that you've given your resignation? And I just kind of went, everything feels fine. It's normal. <laughs> like, no big deal. And this person said, then you must be doing exactly the right thing. Oh, nice. Because it feels so normal. And I didn't bother to stop and because it almost caught me by surprise and we just kept going with conversation. But I thought, is that something like anyone else has experienced or is that an Abraham thing? Or I kind of have a little bit of thoughts around it, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to ask you because you're the recipient of my saying, oh, yeah, I feel normal <laughs> so much of the time. Um, do you have any ideas why anybody would say that if you're feeling normal, it must be the right thing for you? Well, I think there's certainly a law of attraction going on there. I mean, that's clearly a message that is in response to all the normals you've been putting out there. So I, I think there's that going on. But beyond that, yeah. I mean, I remember back, uh, let's see, what was this? This was about uh, 16 years ago, 17, 16 years ago. That was the last time I worked a corporate job before I went out on my own. And when I gave my notice, not only was I giving my notice because I was going to go out on my own, but Louise and I were getting ready to move from Connecticut to Virginia. So it was a pretty big transition that was going on. Okay. And yet... When I gave my notice, the the, the strangest thing was, I'm, and I, I hadn't been there real long. I'd been there like two and a half years, something like that. But I I was very much immersed in the corporate culture. I, I felt very much a part of the team. I was, I was actually, in, in some ways, one of the more advanced members of the team because there'd been a lot of turnover. And yet, despite the fact that I, I had that connectedness to everybody, the moment I gave my notice, it was as if I had already started to disconnect. Now, was that normal? I can't say that was really normal, but it didn't feel in any way like it was jolting or disruptive or creating chaos in my life or anything like that. It was more like, wow, I'm just ready for the next step. I'm so ready. I'm so completely ready that I feel like I've already left the job. Now, is that the same thing as what well, you're you know, feeling? I don't know. Well, as you're talking, I'm asking, you know, my inner being for some well, I'm just asking questions and expecting guidance. And my question is, is the feeling of normal? Uh, or I just want to know, what is that? And I'm kind of sensing 
that's being aligned. Oh, okay. When, and so I guess what that would infer is perhaps there's been things I've done in the past and I've been really anxious about it because even though perhaps it was the right thing for me to do, I hadn't yet fully aligned yet. And so once I pulled the trigger, it still felt a little scary, but I do feel very aligned to this. I'm, I'm not stepping out um, without preparation. You and, know, I, in I, that context, then the, the comment from your friend that, that there was a normality to it. I suspect that's what the friend meant, even if they didn't understand what alignment means, you know, from our perspective as deliberate creators and Abraham followers and so forth. I suspect that's what he or she meant. Yeah. And that, and that feels really good. As I say it, it's like the feeling of normal represents the feeling of alignment Mm. because there's no disruption in the energetic gap between me and me right yeah it's like no it all feels smooth it feels congruent um of course it feels normal because it's who i am like wow this is cool (laughs) (laughs) and last night i was so aware of just this new space in my life and it felt really good i didn't have anything i had to do and i was feeling or I was just asking with curiosity, like, is there something I should be doing? And there was this feeling of no. And if there is, we'll let you know. But in the meantime, kind of enjoy it. Just enjoy the space where there's nothing required. I'm like, huh, I really like that. I could dig it. <laughs> and I'm thinking back to when I left that corporate job. I, at the time, I was a server administrator. I, I was basically... in in charge of most of the Windows servers that this insurance company ran at the time. And they've since done a huge overhaul so that they don't even have that in-house anymore. But at the time, all that was in-house. We had Windows servers. We had Novell servers. We even had some Unix servers. I mean, it was was quite an operation. I'd I'd say overall the company had something on the order of 400 servers. I mean, there were a lot of servers. And that, that was, you know, my job. My job was to, I was not the only one. There were a team of four of us who managed these things. But uh, I was one of those four. And I remember going to my boss shortly after I'd given my notice and saying to him, you know, is there anything particular you need me to do during my last week or whatever it was that I, that I was going to be there? There was no replacement for me yet, so I couldn't train somebody else. And there really wasn't any kind of notes I could leave behind that would be helpful because that just wasn't part of the nature of the job. And so he said, no, not really. Just, you know, keep, you know, just doing what you normally do. And I wasn't terribly motivated to take on a new project. I was leaving soon, right? So right. it was just kind of like right. winding down period. So literally what I did was I spent my time going around the whole IT floor day by day to section by section, just greeting people that I knew who I hadn't talked much with and getting to know them and, oh, I'm getting ready to leave, telling my story, <laughs> and then go on to the next cubicle, do the same thing. It was a week of saying goodbye. <laughs> well, I have three and a half weeks left, and I have a feeling I'm going to be doing a lot of that. Mm. Um because even the gal that I work with, she said, because you're leaving, can I do more of your job so that while you're here, you can give me feedback and correction if necessary? Good for her. Good for her. And I was glad she asked, but part of me was like, well, then what the heck am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, it's not my problem. You know, it, it, it would be fine because what she's asking is totally appropriate sure. and it will set her up for success. Yep. Um, and I'm like, well, hmm, 
I could read. I could, <laughs> you know, do stuff on the internet. I could do Facebook. There's <laughs> personal things I could do. I mean, I, I, I actually spent time getting to know people that I had, you know, said hello to at lunch, and that was about it. And and I was getting hmm. to know all about them in my last week. It's like, why didn't I find out about you before? Oh, that's right. We're doing busy doing our jobs. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like the person that I'm, I'm really hoping can take my place, um, this person and I have been, you know, like we met probably 10 years ago at the company and we... Uh, we were both doing an event together. So we were spending a lot of time. I think we were like at the registration table or the question and answer table. And so we were sitting next to each other for three days. And so back then we did a lot of conversing. I have no idea what we talked about because mm. that was 10 years ago, but sure. I just remember we really had a great connection. And so yesterday, right before I went into my, my uh, resignation with my boss, you know, this person sent me a quick IM message and just said, hey, I'm thinking about you. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And afterwards, I said, hey, I'll let you know, you know, how the call went. And I did. And it's like this person and I have had more conversation than we have since we met 10 years ago. <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's like, you know, I hope you'll keep in touch with me even after you leave. Oh, that's nice. And I'm like. That's just wild because exactly what you said. It's like we haven't spent time, we haven't taken the time to really get to know each other or keep our communication up while we've been working together, but we don't really work together. Right. We're not in the same um, region, and so our paths don't really have reason to, to cross. But it's funny how you don't make the time until all of a sudden you have free time mm -hmm. or, you know, have yeah. a specific reason. Yeah. So it's been. It's pretty awesome, and I have a feeling the next, you know, three and a half weeks will pass quickly, and it'll be a unique experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that the normal will just keep going because the alignment will keep going, and um, we'll see where it all takes me. But oh my, it's it, it feels exciting. It feels like I, I've been waiting for this for a very long time, and here it is. <laughs> I do remember this much. I remember one of the things when, you, when you're a server administrator is that you have to be on call 24 hours at times, and we would, we would divide up among the four of us. So once a month, you would be on call for a week. And that meant that if in the middle of the night, uh, a, a system detected that there was a problem with a server, it would send you a page and you had to go into the company in the middle of the night, find out what the problem was, fix it. Sometimes you could do it remotely, you know, but, but you were responsible for doing that. I remember my last day there, I knew... Uh, and I, I had just come off of being on call the week before, so I knew I was done with it. But I remember the last day where I went to the security desk and handed in my badge and handed in my pager. Handing in that pager felt so good because I knew I would <laughs> never get paged again in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that's a nice feeling. Yeah, that was pretty big. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Wow. I don't know what they're wow. using today. I'm sure they don't use pagers. It's probably something that comes to your iPhone or something. But, you know, it's still sure. it's the same kind of thing. You know, you, you're still awakened in the middle of the night and you got to go deal with X, whatever X is, you know. Mm -hmm. No more. Didn't have to do that one anymore. I got some good sleep after that. <laughs> <laughs> so onward and upward for everybody who's in transition. Um, I'm, you're right. It's probably more than you and me. I think so. Um, we're probably... 
connecting with other people who are in transition. I talked to uh, somebody the other night who I had told you I'd connected with from LinkedIn. This person reached out to me and said, hey, don't we know each other? And it's been 16 years since we've talked. Wow. And we connected Monday night, uh, had a couple hour conversation. And it was like, wow, that felt good. And she's in transition. Mm. So mm. it's kind of, it's in the air. It's contagious. <laughs> it's a, a contagion. Contagious. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, awesome. we're going to go into the book because we've, uh, well, sometimes we don't go to the book at all, but today we're going to go to the book. And before we do we don't that, need a reason. we can just go there. Well, that's true. But before we go <laughs> into the book, I want to take a moment because uh, I've been trying to make it a point to do this every show. Uh, to remind people who are not yet subscribers, and actually remind is probably too strong a word because for the most part, when people listen to more than two episodes, they become a subscriber. So most of the people who are listening who are not yet subscribers are probably listening to their first episode, maybe their second, based on what we're seeing from numbers and so forth. So if you're among that group and this is a new thing and, and you're liking what you're hearing, I can tell you it gets even better when you get all the episodes coming to your your smartphone or to your tablet or whatever. You can listen to them whenever you want to. And there are people who binge listen to these things. And, and they love it because it really is a daily dose of happy. And you play one after another, it just picks your attitude right up. That It's the same effect that Wendy and I and Cindy and Joel and all the others get just by doing the podcast. Because it picks us up, too, just doing these you know, every day that we do them. So give yourself the opportunity to have that uh, that daily dose or even that twice daily dose of happy or multi-dose of happy coming into your, your phone so you can pick yourself up. And it's really easy to do. You just go to the homepage of our website, loatoday.net. All the instructions are right there. It takes about a minute. It's really, really quick. It's free. doesn't cost you a penny. And then you have all this wonderful content coming in that you can listen to and enjoy and become one of our regular listeners. And then once you do that, of course, take a moment to click one of the social media buttons and share with your friends that, hey, I just became a listener of LOA Today. You ought to consider doing it, too. So there. So That's there. a great marketing ploy <laughs> or a great <laughs> marketing tip, you know. <laughs> this is People true. People share good news. When you're feeling good about something, share that good news with your friends. It is the right time to do it, isn't it? Because you're in alignment. You're feeling good about it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we are in The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham by Esther and Jerry Hicks, which we've been working our way through pretty persistently for a few months now. We're in part five. Uh, we're in the last, uh, we're, we're kind of on the, uh, we come around the clubhouse turn and we're, we're on the back stretch, or we're past the back stretch and we're coming into the, the final stretch. And we're on a subject, or a subtopic, I should say, that's entitled, Why Isn't Everyone Creating Life on Purpose? Which is a good question. And it's one that I wondered about when I first heard about this stuff. And then I, I guess I quickly answered it by saying, well, they probably just don't even know. They haven't seen The Secret or they haven't read Abraham or whatever. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But, but even so, it, it's just one of those really strange things. I mean, truly, learning about deliberate creation is something I've learned within the last few years. But... Given how big of a role it plays in life, it's almost surprising to me that the human species hasn't really discovered this before in a big way. I mean, there are certain teachers we can all point to, like the you know the gurus of of positive psychology and you know the, the Tony Robbins of the world and so forth. There are a lot of people who have taught various aspects of the value of positive thinking and the value of living positively. And yet, and yet, this idea of deliberate creation is new to so many of us because it's not been part of our culture. And I, and I wonder about that sometimes. How could that be? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Wendy? How could it be that oh, we really I don't do. have Oh, I do. I absolutely do. 
Um, because I totally believe in the statement, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Okay. Which is another way of saying, when somebody starts asking questions, then the universe starts providing answers. And I believe a lot of people are not asking questions. And uh-huh. they live the life that they live. It may not be something that they truly enjoy, but they don't think to ask questions. Because wow. I know for certain that my biggest shift came in the mid-90s when I was asking deep questions. I wanted out of what I was in. I'm like, how can something get better? And I watched a late-night infomercial and got introduced to Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And I bought the cassette tapes right there on TV from an infomercial, Guthrie Ranker. <laughs> and then later in my life, you know, in 2002... Um, when my friend handed me a cassette tape that was Abraham Hicks and I liked it and she gave me a bunch more. It's like, it was, they were cool. They, they got me excited, but see, they were handed to me at a time. I wasn't asking for asking the questions. Mm. So the Abraham tapes were not answering questions that I had. It was just information that I put on a mental shelf. That's true, because unless you're asking asking the questions, the questions can't get answered. It can only be just general information. And in 2007, I needed something that was a revolutionary something. I wanted something big that would shift me out of where I was into where I wanted to go. And I was hungry. I mean, ravenously hungry for some huge changes. And I, as I was asking the questions, like, where do I go for this? Uh, the guidance I received was Abraham Hicks. And I went, you know, I remember that. I remember when my friend Elizabeth gave me those tapes. So I Googled Abraham Hicks. Lo and behold, I found their website. <laughs> then another thing, oh, my God, they have CDs, really? I could have them delivered to my home? Okay. Sign on the dotted line. I called them up the next day and said, can you start sending them to me? And they did. But I was hungry. Because I was asking the question. Now, I got to ask a question. I got to interrupt here because you said something that you slid past really quickly. But as I thought about it, I realized there's a big implication there. You said something to the effect that you were really hungry and you asked a question. I don't remember what the question was, how you phrased it. But the answer came back to you, Abraham Hicks. And I realized that you very shortly after that said, oh, yeah, I remember my friend giving me the Abraham Tapes well, I don't ago. think I, I mean, uh, what really happened was I had this sense of, hey, there was, there were these cassette tapes. Who were those? Who, who was, what was it? Who were they? Cause like, I felt the sense like search for them, Google for them. And I'm like, who are they? And I just heard in my head, Abraham Hicks. So you were, and you were I getting just, messages from inner being that you were receiving effectively even then. Oh Yeah. I know, maybe you're you say that like is, it's nothing. <laughs> well, well, and I'm going to say this, that you might be under the impression that receiving guidance is new for me. But it's not. Okay. I've been receiving guidance. Well, that's true. You talked about, yeah, you talked about how when you were uh, still a Christian and, and living in, in the Christian realm, so to speak, that you would, you would get various forms of guidance. So you're right. I did know yeah. that. Yes. Now, it has gotten more profound my trust in it has gotten implicit. Mm. Um, before I'd ask a question, I'd get an answer, and I didn't really think about 
oh, wow, that was cool. Because I wasn't asking for it very often. Ah. Now I ask for it continually. Mm. I would say probably in the early 2000s is when I was taking some courses, both NLP and another course called HUNA, which is like an ancient, um, the ancient rituals and, and, and best living processes by the Hawaiian people. Mm. And so I had taken a number of NLP and a number of HUNA, uh, HUNA courses. And so that's when I started really connecting with my inner guidance on a much deeper level. Oh, okay. So it became much more frequent. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, but I was learning how to use it then. And I was being taught how to know when you were hearing and when you really were receiving and all that stuff. Um, it's maybe been the last, I'm going to guess, five years that I have felt like I've had real consistent guidance. And maybe the last one year where I feel like uh, it's an on-tap pipeline. Well, that does seem to be true, because I remember when you first came on board with me last November or December, whenever it was, um, how you explained to me within a very short time of joining the podcast, and this may even have been one of our offline conversations, not during a podcast, I don't remember for sure, but you, you described to me how you had this communication and that it usually came in the form of true or false or yes or no type responses. And then in the last few weeks you've been talking about having you know basically full conversations so from my perspective it seems like there's been a big uh transition a big uh um, improvement in the quality of the communication that you're giving and receiving i think because i trust it so much more that um i just don't hesitate to say this is what i'm doing mm. this is what how i communicate internally this is the answers that i feel like i receive you know lots of times when i'm tr I'm trying to explain it. I'm putting words to things that sometimes didn't come to me in words. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, it was a knowing and a knowing doesn't require words. Sometimes it was a feeling and the feeling doesn't require words. Um, so when I'm explaining it to you, I put words to it mm -hmm. because the words are, this is how I interpreted that feeling or that knowing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I know that to you, that sounds like a full conversation. And I think to me it is too, because it's a full communication. It's just some of it is in words, some of it's in knowing, some, in, some of it's in feeling. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe you've just been practicing more because of the podcast, explaining in detail what it is that you're getting more so than right. early on. Maybe that's what's actually happening. Right. I just noticed the, the tremendous increase in detail, and I thought, wow, this is great. Well, what, what she's and getting. Project X has definitely escalated that because I was so determined that I was going to be a deliberate creator of something really big. And so I've been in the process of needing to ask many more questions. And it just occurred to me, Project X is what you're leaving the company for. <laughs> That's pretty wild. You you first conceived and started describing Project X here on the program, and now Project X has become your reality. Absolutely. Yeah. But Very I knew cool. Project X would replace my day job. Mm -hmm. That was always a, a knowing of that. So. But it's one thing to know it, and another thing to actually have it happen. It actually is happening. Yeah. That's That's very cool. Yeah. You know, my favorite part so far of Project X is because it nothing ever shows up the way you expect it to. Yeah, right. This is definitely a case of that because I had so many rules that I had created for how I'll know when it's time to leave, you know, my my employment at my current job 
and you know this has to happen and I have to have this feeling and I need to have this many of clients and I need to have this much money and I need to have a regularity of blah, 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 blah. And most of that's out the window. <laughs> it's like, I thought, I thought I required that, but I didn't. Because what I did require was simply to know, to have such a solid sense of knowing and resolve that taking this step is the right thing for me because I'm following my guidance, that's what I needed. I needed to have a certainty that my guidance was giving me what I needed and wasn't leading me astray. And I have that. That's cool. Well, as so often happens when you and I uh, approach a topic, we've read one subtopic title. We haven't read any of the chapter yet. So we, we <laughs> should probably do that. <laughs> We've been talking 20 minutes on a subtopic title. <laughs> but Jerry says, since we have each, I'm sorry, since we each have the choice of creating what we really want on purpose or creating by default and receiving indiscriminately both the wanted and the unwanted, then why does it seem like the majority of people choose by default? And Abraham says, most are creating their experiences by default because they do not understand the laws. They really do not understand that they have those choices. They have come to believe in fate or luck. They say, this is reality. This is just the way it is. They do not understand that they have control over their experience through their thought. It's like playing a game where they do not know the rules. And soon they grow tired of the game because they believe that they have no control over it. It is of great value for you to give your conscious attention to what you specifically want. Otherwise, you can be swept up by the influence of that which surrounds you. You are bombarded by the stimulation of thought. And so, unless you are setting forth the thought that is important to you, you can be stimulated by another's thought that may or may not be important to you. If you do not know what you want, then it is good for you to set forth the intent, such as, I want to know what I want. And as you set forth that desire, you will begin attracting data. You will begin attracting opportunity. You will begin attracting many things to select from. And from the state of, from the steady parade of ideas that will flow to you, you will get a better idea of what you specifically desire. Because of the law of attraction, it is easier to just observe things as they are than it is to choose a different thought. And as people observe things as they are, the law of attraction begins, I'm sorry, the law of attraction brings them more of the same. And in time, people come to believe that they do not have control. Many are taught that they are not allowed to choose and that they are not worthy of choice or that they are not capable of knowing what is appropriate for them to choose. In time and with practice, you will come to understand that you can, and by the way you are feeling, the appropriateness of your choice for when you choose the direction of thought that agrees with your broader perspective, your joy is, is your confirmation of the appropriateness of your thought. You know, I like that. In that first paragraph, Your joy is the confirmation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's always that makes it easier, right? Even I can't miss that one. But mm -hmm. in that first paragraph, the last sentence, when you read that one, I thought, "Wow, that was me." It said, "It is like playing a game where they do not know the rules, and soon they grow tired of the game 
because they believe that they have no control over it. And that's the way I felt. In fact, I even had a phrase wow. that I turned into a joke that I told for years. And the joke was, did you ever notice that life doesn't come with an instruction manual? What I meant was, I don't know the rules of the game. I don't understand the rules of the game. And I don't like what's going on. <laughs> and I don't like it. No, what is going on is not yeah. making me happy. I don't enjoy this at all. This is not fun. I think I'll just disengage. Mm. So when you read that section, I said, yep, that was me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, I had a conversation with someone yesterday. And it went unpleasant very quickly. No. Oh. And it was someone, you know, that I know personally and I was really trying to help her. And I had such keen awareness as we were speaking that what we're talking about applies. She doesn't know the rules to the game. Mm. She doesn't know there's another way to look at this. She doesn't know that she's actually attracting the unwanted circumstances of her life. Mm, yeah. And I was asking her questions to try to elicit from her um, some pertinent information that could kind of, uh, how do I say this? Instead of telling her, here's what's going down. Here's, here are the rules of life. Because to me, what I found is if somebody isn't asking the questions, just telling them the answers is not going to make a difference. Sure. So it was really interesting because the conversation was pretty heated for quite a while. Now, I was, it was heated, but it was more heated on her part than mine. Mm. Like for my part, it was intense, but I wasn't angry. I never was mad at her. I was, just, I was really mirroring her intensity. Oh, wow. Until I made the decision, I don't want to mirror her intensity. I want to bring it. I want to bring the conversation down. Mm. I want to bring the level of energy down. Right. And we did get into a much better cadence with one another. And she did start to open up. But she kept saying, you know, I got the feeling, Wendy, you're trying to tell me something with all your stories and metaphors, but I'm not getting it. Would you just tell me what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> well, that was a Which, good question. But, but you know what was funny, Walt, is it probably took us 15 to 20 minutes for her to finally ask that question. Yeah. On and the other hand, the good, news, asked, the good news is that she asked the question at all. I mean, there I know of a lot of people point. who would not even ask and the question. Well, and that's why I tell stories and metaphors. And when there's a silence after I've told a story, I said to her, well, are you putting the dots together between what we were talking about before in this story? And she's like, not really. Hmm. Like, okay, well, that was Go another direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happened is because she wasn't getting it she, and she was taking everything I said personally and in a really skewed way that I did not mean at all, mm -hmm. um, I think that frustration caused her to get to this point that she finally reached this apex where she asked a question. That's interesting. And, and do you know when she asked the question? She started hearing me. Really? In other words, it was starting yes. to make sense what you were saying to her. Yes, because now I answered the question without a story, and I just gave it to her mm -hmm. in a clear, concise way. Mm -hmm. And she went, okay, I got it. Now, 
here's what's interesting. The clear, concise sentence that I handed to her, to me, if somebody said to me what I said to her, it would have hurt my feelings big time. Oh, really? Oh, it would have been very offensive. Pardon me? That's really interesting. I say yeah, that. Yeah, and I thought what she was sort of accusing me of is being rude, being condescending, um, being offensive. Yeah. Now, I was very aware in the moment because I knew that was absolutely not my intention. Sure. Just trust me when it is, I know it. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. But my intention was to teach her and support her and to help her. And when she kept telling me, you know, you're being rude and condescending and blah, blah, blah. In the moment, I did something that I, I do know better, but I did it anyway. And I, and I just said, I hear what you're saying. But I said, I do not I do not take responsibility at all for you feeling that way. I, said, I, I because, think that's a great thing to say. Well, I think because the intensity was still 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 so strong, she was still in a not listening place. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm saying that what I said was accurate, but the timing of when I said it might oh, not sure. have been. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But you know, I said the truth is you're saying some things that are pretty unpleasant for me to listen to. But I am fully responsible for how I respond to what you're telling me. And my response is, huh, she's, you're trying to get across some message and I still don't understand it. So I'm still in the game with you trying to figure out what it is that's going on. You know, and it was just this really heated conversation until she asked the question, what is it you're trying to tell me? And then I told her and then things just like settled down. And I went, that was fascinating. It is fascinating. Okay. And I've run into that that phenomenon on numerous occasions. And I don't have a complete answer on it. I think probably because every person is different. But I do have a theory about what goes on there. I think what happens is that for whatever reason, and I can't even tell you what the reason is, very, very often people get hot when they're not being told bluntly. And we are taught in our society, don't be blunt, that's rude. Yeah. So we don't want to be rude. So we aren't blunt. But the funny thing is, the person, this isn't always true, but it's often true. The person who's getting hot is really saying, be blunt. I can't stand all this innuendo. I can't stand all this this uh, you know finely diced stuff. I need the blunt answer. And you gave her the blunt answer, and she relaxed. Well, you know, this is a person that I've known for a while, and I, I personally, Wendy, the, the personality called Wendy, I like to have engagement with people where they ask questions, I ask questions. They say things, you know, like if I say something, they respond to what I say. They give me feedback. When they say something, mm -hmm. I respond and give them feedback. Sure. It's the ping and the pong right. of conversation. Yeah. And people who don't ping and pong can be very frustrating to me ah. because I'll say something and then there's a pause. And I don't know if that pause means they're contemplating what I've said or they're bored or something else. So I'll, and I've had this with her. So I'll ask, well, do you understand what I've said? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Can you just, cause I'm not on, I don't know if we're on the same page. Can you tell me what you heard? And sometimes she can say it and sometimes she can't. Mm. 
And when if she tries, if I bother to ask that question, if she tries, that's when I find out, yes, she didn't understand it at all. Mm. You know, and so this has kind of been an ongoing communication thing for us anyway. Um, but in the beginning, I said, you know, for us to really connect on a deeper level, it would really be helpful if you asked questions. And she said, well, I'm just not much into asking questions. That's just not me. That's not my communication <laughs> oh, style. Yeah, that, that makes it fun. And that had been an ongoing thing. Well, I just don't ask questions. I don't ask questions. So here's what I think is kind of interesting as I'm relaying it right now. And I'm hearing it. I'm like, oh, I get it. She doesn't naturally ask questions. But our conversation got so heated for her and it frustrated her. Out came a question, and I think it bypassed her filters, and she probably didn't even know she asked a question. Could be. But but she finally got what she wanted mm -hmm. because she asked a question. And that is important. And because it, in so for the, many For the reason you described, too, because the importance is amazingly important because it, the importance is amazingly important. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> phrase is that? <laughs> the well, whatever is, it is, you're about to say I'm something that's important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when when a person you, you just described very nicely how a person can act like they hear act like they understand act like they they are following you and they don't follow you i think the same thing happens when it comes to formulating a question we can I, when i've run into somebody who is like your friend she doesn't doesn't do a good job she or or she doesn't feel comfortable with asking questions I think what happens with a person like that is they haven't formulated the question because they haven't formulated the picture. They haven't they haven't pieced all this together enough that they can even ask a question. It's all this kind of a vague, cloudy substance that doesn't form in any way. And if you think about it that way, it kind of makes sense that someone wouldn't want to feel comfortable or even dare to try to ask a question because they don't even know how to begin to ask it. Well, so what we're reading about with Abraham today mm -hmm. is about how is it that people can just not choose to live a happier life or what was the exact uh, topic that we started? The, with the phrase was, why isn't everyone creating life on purpose? That's it. And when we read that, this is the gal that came to mind. Okay. Because if ever there's anybody who is not creating their life on purpose, it's her. And as we're talking, I'm realizing how you create a life on purpose is by asking questions, getting answers, asking questions, getting answers. Every time you ask a question and you get an answer, you get greater clarity. True. And the, as the question, answer, question, answer thing keeps going back and forth, there's more clarity. There's more clarity. And every bit of clarity causes you to ask a new question. Mm hmm and every time it's like every time you have and this is what I the dynamic that I'm now understanding in the conversation we had yesterday as well as many others we've had in the past <laughs> which is she didn't have clarity she didn't know how to get clarity but because I'm a person who is all about clarity <laughs> and all about asking questions and all about getting answers she kept wanting to like disengage she's like well maybe we should just end this now because we're not getting anywhere and I honestly, I never even responded to that. I'm like, okay, well, what else could I try? What's another sentence I could say? What, you know, do I make another statement? Do I tell another story? Do I ask another question? How else do we get clarity? Because I am so focused on 
we're going to get some clarity here for her. <laughs> I'm going to help influence clarity. That is my goal. That is my, my intent. Mm-hmm. Because I want us to be on the same page, not on two differing pages, and her frustrated because she doesn't know how to get on the page with me. And I didn't care if it was my page or her page. <laughs> just a page. <laughs> I just wanted us to be in alignment mm. together in a space of agreement, in a space of peacefulness where we could talk in a way that was being productive. And so what I kind of understand, I love how you said, you know, if people are just kind of going through the motions, maybe you didn't say this, but it's what I heard in my head. You know, people are just going through the motions and they don't realize they could have something different and then they're not asking questions. It means they are living by default Mm -hmm. because they don't know what the rules are. They don't know that there are these contingencies to, to what's happening or not contingency, but there are different ways they can live their life alternatives. And the way you get to alternatives is by challenging the status quo. Like, isn't there something better than this? Isn't there a better way of living? Isn't there an easy button somewhere for me? In fact, I would and, say there's, there's even a, a, another factor here too. If you don't know well, first of all, you, you don't know what the rules of life are, and you don't know how to be successful in life, and, and no one ever handed you the rule book. Well, not only don't you have the rule book, it can be very possible for you to not even know that there are rules. It's possible you don't even know that, that there is a game being played and there are rules to that game and that those rules can be found. That might be just completely outside of your experience. Well, and I will tell you, when I found the law of attraction, the phrase, the handbook of life, is absolutely what came to me. Is it really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I even have that in one of my emails that I'm going to send out on my training, law of attraction training. It's like I really felt like I had discovered the handbook of life, the manual, because the rules you're talking about, to me, are called laws, the laws of the universe. This is how the world operates. If you understand how it operates, you can align with it and go with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you don't understand how a river flows downward and you're continually trying to paddle a boat going upstream where you're paddling really hard, you know, but you get to choose where you put your, bo- your, your boat in the river and you're doing it just for the fun of being around the water, well, purposely choose, if you know to do so, in an upriver position. So when you paddle, you're helping steer your boat, but the water is actually giving you leverage to move you downstream. But if you don't understand the rules of how a river flows, then you could get really tired when you're paddling upstream. Oh, yeah. No, you know, and, and to make and matters make- worse, if you don't even realize you're in a river and that you're paddling it, now you're really confused. And I don't mean that yeah. as a joke. I mean, literally, you get confused because yeah. you, you've learned how to paddle and you're paddling like like crazy, but you don't even know what you're paddling in. <laughs> well, I think the first time I ever got in a canoe, I was in a lake. I was not in a river. And I started to recognize that there were uh, waves mm-hmm. in, in the lake. And I kind of noticed that the waves were being... Um, they were happening because of the direction of the wind. Right. 
Because sure. in a river, you have an upstream and downstream. In a lake, you kind of don't. It's just a giant pool. Pretty much, yeah. But I started noticing that if I paddled in the direction that the wind was on my back, that's where that phrase comes from, mm-hmm. by the way, <laughs> the wind on your back, it, does. it made paddling easy. And I got to the other side of the lake really easily. But when I went the other direction, oh, my arms are feeling it. <laughs> you know? But... If you, you're right, if you don't know the rules, it's hard. And if you don't know the rules, frankly, there are rules. And frankly, the conversation I had with this gal yesterday, even though I knew that we got on a better page and we were both on the same page and it was a smooth conversation um, near the end, I recognize she's still not asking questions about life mm. and how do you have an easy life? Because she did point out. Well, you know, you have this that's, you know, you're just lucky because fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't have this problem because fill in the blank. And what I didn't say to her, because it would have felt inappropriate, I didn't say to her, the great things that happened in my life didn't happen by accident. I actually have been a deliberate creator of the life that I have. And you can have that too. But I did not say that. But let me tell you, energetically, I was saying it loud. <laughs> mm. Well, it's a good thing to say. Because my hope is that I was sending the message so strongly energetically that at some point it will infiltrate her consciousness. Because right now she's not asking the questions about life and she's literally letting life beat her up. One circumstance after another, after another, unpleasant thing after unpleasant thing after unpleasant thing. Which is a rough way to live. You know, it's hard. And I got to tell you, watching it, being a witness to it, it's not fun for me either. No. I don't enjoy watching it, but yet she's not yet in a place that she's teachable because she's not asking the questions about, is there a way to live that's different? So I think that's kind of the the crux of Jerry's question. You know, like, why don't people live a life on purpose? Yeah. And they they don't ans- know how to do it and or they're not asking. Well, your, your, your answer is a good one. They aren't asking questions that are relevant to that particular yeah. question. And, you know, if she's surrounded by, and I suspect she is, family and friends who have similar stuff going on, and she's told me some stuff for me to know that's the case. Mm-hmm. It's like she's hanging around with people that are all in a space of the same hardships, mm-hmm. the same unpleasantness. Sure. And so it's even easier to believe this is just the way life is. Well, there's an old saying to cover that. Misery loves company. Mm. I mean, that didn't just and sprout guess, up out of the ground out of nowhere. That actually had a background right. to it. <laughs> Well, and it's funny because when I think of misery, I think of somebody who they really like their misery. I can tell she does not like her misery, doesn't like it at all, but doesn't know how to get up out of it. Mm. You know, Um, and I realize my job is to stay in my lane and take care of me. And if she asks me a question, I am more than happy then to help her. Um, if she says, how is it I can have a life like yours? I'd be more than happy to help her. Um, but she's not asking. And so I'm not going to be foolish and say, you realize you could have a happy life. And let me tell you how it could happen. Cause that will fall on deaf ears. 
and mm-hmm. it will probably piss her off. Mm-hmm. So that'll push her further away from her ga- gaining a life that she could possibly enjoy. And so when somebody has one contrasting experience after another, I believe they're getting closer to being willing to ask the question, how can I say stop to this? How can I stop this merry-go-round? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm no longer in the business of trying to help somebody who's no long, who's not yet asking the question, because if I do, I'm actually prolonging them from uh, getting to the point that they'll get a real answer. Good for you. That's very good. That's why I didn't ever got upset or frustrated with her yesterday. Mm-hmm. I just kept asking questions like, hmm, how do I communicate in a way that will help us get on the same page? And I just kept trying different approaches. Most of them did not work, which frustrated her. But I don't quit <laughs> this is true. until I get what I want. Anyone who's read your stories knows for a fact Wendy does not quit. Once she gets the bit between her teeth, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you were to ask this friend of mine, even when she was ready to like give it up and say, I think we just need to get off this conversation, I think she she would be, you know, agreeable that she's glad she stuck through it and she's glad that I never quit or left it because we did get to a good place. That's very important because now you have a basis for your, not only for continued conversation, but you have a, a basis for a relationship. And that's really what absolutely. it's about anyway. Yes, absolutely. So shall we read the next little section? Uh, well, it depends on how much time we decide to talk about it because the last one took us about 35 minutes and we got about seven minutes left. So <laughs> it just yeah. depends on us, really. But we can certainly read it in that time period and, and have some time to talk about it. Let's give All it a right, shot. Well, let's Why see not? what happens. So this was entitled, How Important to Our Experience is Wanting. And apparently it's pretty important because, like you were just describing, if you don't know what the questions are, how can you possibly express what it is that you want? (laughs) Jerry Mm -hmm. says, now the person who doesn't even say, I want to know what I want, but just says, as far as I know, I don't want anything, or I've been taught that it is wrong to have desire, and is in some kind of a, a flat or listless state, would you have anything to say to this person? So Abraham says, it is the, it is, no, start again, <laughs> is the desire to have no desire in order to achieve a greater state of worthiness, not also a desire? Mm-hmm. Wanting is the beginning of all deliberate creating. And so if you refuse to allow yourself to want, then you are really refusing the deliberate control of your life experience. You are physical beings indeed. You have a life force, an energy force, a God force, a creative energy force that flows into you from the inner dimension. Your doctors, in all of their notice of it, do not know much about it. They know that some of it, and they know that some have it and some do not. They will say, this one is dead. He has no life force. Creative life force flows into you for the extension outward toward whatever you are giving your attention. In other words, it is the process by which your thoughts bring to you whatever desire you are giving thought to. The more you give thought to that which you desire, the more the law of attraction sets those things into motion, and you can feel the momentum of your thoughts. 
You do not think about what you desire or when you think about what you want and then immediately think about the lack of it, you hinder the natural momentum of thought. That flat, listless state you are describing is caused by your constant slowing of momentum of thought with your contradictory statements. Boy, they, they, they packed a lot into that last sentence. <laughs> After this, this long, very nicely laid out thing, all of a sudden, wham, they hit you with this the whole thing, which I'll label resistance. And I, they said it really, really quickly compared to the Yeah, rest. that flat, listless state you're describing yeah. is caused by your constant flowing of the momentum of thought with your contradictory statement. Mm, yeah. You know, contradiction comes sometimes in such a hidden package that you have no idea that you're even con con uh, contradicting yourself. True. You I mean, know, I'm sure that was your friend. Your friend, your friend was probably contradicting contradicting yourself all over the place and had no knowledge of it, no awareness of it. Oh, yeah. There were even times I wanted to stop and go, do you realize you're proving the very point that you're trying not to prove? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or, you know, and, and but it's like, oh, there was just no speaking at that point. Yeah. But yeah. When, when you're all caught up in knots, it's really hard to get yourself cleared out unless you choose to, unless you ask questions to. But and that's just it. I, I could... love to be beginning of this section it says if you don't know what you want you know you can ask what is it i want that was a, a novel idea for me the first time i heard that which was only after hearing about abraham because abraham is the one who said it to me first you can ask for what it is for to, to know what it is that you want and and mm -hmm. on the surface i said to myself well that's crazy who else could know besides me <laughs> i didn't i didn't think i had one oh really yeah i mean i i really didn't because I had pretty much trained myself not to want anything, and that way I wouldn't be dis disappointed when I didn't get it. So you actually were described in, in the second uh, phrase, I've been taught that it is wrong to have desire. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because when my sisters asked for something of my mother, um, it always caused my mother a lot of uh, pain. Mm. Because they were asking for material things that my mother couldn't afford to buy. Right. And so, you know, I, being the oldest, my mother would share things with me that probably weren't appropriate, but mm. she did anyway. And, you know, so she would tell me the frustration that she had being a mother who wanted to give her kids what they wanted, but she couldn't afford to do so. So I saw how it caused my mother pain. And I didn't want to be the one to cause my mother pain. So then I just didn't ask for anything because mm. then I wouldn't cause her pain. Boy, the prices so. we invent to pay me. For helping others, it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we conclude some of the weirdest things. We do. Because like in this situation, I concluded, well, it's better not to want anything. Because, because, I, because if I want something and I ask for it, I'll either cause my mother pain or she won't be able to say yes to it. In either case, it will hurt me. So I just won't ask for anything and then I won't get hurt. Well, you know what I want? What? I want to look forward to one more time talking to you this week because I know I don't get you five days a week anymore, but I do get to talk with you tomorrow. So I'm looking forward and to I'll that. I'll be here. All right. I'll be here tomorrow. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad to hear that because <laughs> it makes my day. Even though we're only doing it twice a week now, I still it still makes my day. And we hope that you join us it's next time. Good. We hope you join us next time as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye for now.